Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to dm to gm We're the show that helps you feel more comfortable playing the games that you want to play. I'm your DM from Dungeons & Dragons, Russ Moore. And I'm your GM from the And today we're going to try and tackle something that we've been asked Sean to do several Howard. times, but have just been putting it off because Sean doesn't like to write notes or something for these episodes. So I just did it. And we're doing you it. did it. And I'm totally going to follow those notes. I highly doubt that. He rolled his eyes huge. <laughs> but today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about session zero. What you could do when you're sitting down with a new table, with a table that you've been playing a long time with, but just want to, you know, kind of re-kickstart things, uh, figure out a new game and figure out how everyone is going to have the most fun when they sit down and play with you and your group or to put it simply what do you do in session zero first of all sean what is <laughs> yeah. session zero so session zero is a session that you call together it's often a little bit shorter or it can be where you say to everyone hey we're going to come together we're going to maybe make characters we're just going to talk about the game we're going to play and just set the stage and make sure answer any questions um and it's just sort of like your kickoff for the campaign or the new thing you're going to run. To put it simply, it's like a job interview. Yeah, but less stressful, I hope. Nah, job interviews are great. That's where I shine, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, hopefully less stressful because you're talking about playing a game, not about the, the future of your, you know, three, five, ten years from now career. And hopefully you're gonna lie. You're gonna lie a little bit less, right? Just, just yeah, because you want to be upfront. You don't want to tell them that you can speak French, but really you can't speak French. But you need to get into that bilingual position. Je peux plus, obviously. Obviously, your French is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, side benefit of a session zero is now that you're getting to know everything, um, you as the game runner and as your players are going to voice the things that help them have more fun in the game, different styles of play, different rules, different, all that sort of thing. So everybody's on the same page and there's fewer questions moving forward session to session. And something that we've heard, and I think it makes a lot of sense, is that for a lot of new GMs or DMs, session zero is a little intimidating because there's not really a framework. Uh, you know, it just seems like this, you're calling everyone together for a prolonged period of time. And what do you do? How do you facilitate this? Uh, so today we're going to talk about that and, and just talk about some different tools. There is no set way to run a session zero, but hopefully we can answer some questions, give you some things you can think about and use, and then you can try it out. Um, and a great way to try it out is if you have an existing table is is do a session zero for your next campaign, your next thing you're going to start. Um, but you can also just start cold with a new group. 
Absolutely. Um, so like Sean said, uh, we, we've got notes, or like I said, we've got notes written down here. Um, I will post the notes down in the description as to kind of what we're following so that if you want to go back and just see what we're talking about in a written form, they're not great, but they'll give you at least a framework um, and a guide to kind of follow through in some way, shape or form. Uh, so first thing when you sit down, um, aside from learning everybody's name, is figuring out what kind of play style you want to play and you want to run and your players are expecting. Um, now, what we mean by play style is, do you like to go through dungeon crawls and hack and slash? Or do you, on the other side, do you like to uh, tell broad, immerse, dense stories with a lot of role play and more um, societal interactions or do you land somewhere in between? And that, it can be hard to ask that question sometimes, right? It's like some people don't, the question's easy to ask, but sometimes people don't know how to answer it, right? They just, they're not sure, um, right, what what to say. Um, so, you know, one thing that can help, which we're going to talk about in a second, is actually starting with something like the RPG consent checklist, uh, which we will link in the show notes. Um, because it's just going to be like a quick checklist for people just to check off the kinds of things that they, you know, are, are want to explore or are open to exploring in a game and the kinds of things they want to avoid that they're not cool with. Right. Um, and just don't want to see. And I don't know, I just thought it might be a fun way for some people that are a little awkward or not sure what to do is to just start with a checklist. Because there's things like, do you like blood and demons and eyeballs? And if someone checks gore, eyeballs, demons, and blood, I can easily ask, do you like hack and slash? Do you like, you know, battles? And the odds are yes, but maybe not. Maybe they'll be like, no, they like really dark Cthulhu storytelling. Yeah, there's lots of great things on this consent checklist, and uh, I believe it was Kathy that posted it in our Discord. You can come join us over there to join conversations that they're having about these very similar topics as well. Um, it, this whole checklist goes into things that are beyond like horror, because horror is a big theme that some people immediately like or don't like, um, certain aspects of anyways. But it also gets into relationships between characters and NPCs, romance um, and things like social and cultural issues like uh, racism and real world religion, the things that are very top of mind and very present right now, just to understand everybody's comfort level of all of these different real world things that can happen um, or can be brought up in a fantasy setting that you're trying to outlay. Right. So, for example, I have trouble with harm to animals. And so... What I love is this checklist has that. Um, it also has harm to children. I don't have a problem. I should. I should have a problem. That's uh, not correct for me to be okay with that. But um, I don't. I don't like playing a game where animals are harmed. So, um, you know, it allows me to be like, oh no, I can call out. That's a red for me. Meaning hard line will not include. I can't. I won't be able to play. It kicks me out of the game. Um, so it's just a great way to understand what some of the trigger issues are for people too, who might've had a trauma or right. Something in their past they want to avoid. Um, but yeah, it, I, it's a great way. I think just also to show the table that you are, you care, right. And that you're, you want to create something that's going to be fun for everyone. Russ has this list of 350 flavors of fantasy campaigns that you can talk about. Um, I'll just before we, we set Russ loose. No, um, it's fine. 
I'll, I'll say that um, here's a cool. So if you're doing D&D, then what Russ is going to take us through is some helpful stuff that exists in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, one of the cool things, if you're going to play a different system, um, often the, the ones I love, Powered by the Apocalypse, almost always include starting or almost session zero-like stuff in their setup. So like Monster of the Week, we went over a few episodes ago and it, we literally did it on the air. Like it walks you through how to create your campaign at the table because a lot of the PBTA and other storytelling based games open up and allow the whole table to create a world together. Session zero can often be an hour that's structured by the game. So so check the book that you're of the game you're using and see if it has a whole section on how do you create this world um, because it it might actually walk you through it really easily. Yeah, a lot of those, like Fate and the Powered by the Apocalypse ones, they oftentimes ground those questions in like movies or TV shows or books or that sort of thing. So like, what do you like? Do you like, um, you know, uh, crime dramas? Do you like CSI? Do you like Grey's Anatomy? That sort of thing. Where do you draw your inspiration from um, and how do do you want to see that played out in the game? The list that Sean's talking about that I do have down here is available in the Dungeon Master's Guide. So, Russ, um, I want to play Dungeons & Dragons Session Zero. What flavors can I t- use? Or what flavors can I use for my campaign? I would look at it more beyond Dungeons & Dragons 2, like Dungeon World or any sort of high fantasy uh, high fantasy genre Um you can play many of them. There are many different styles and flavors that you can pick from, including, but not limited to... Szechuan chicken. Yeah. Uh, 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 sweet and sour. Yeah, sweet and sour uh, is good, yeah. Barbecue, um, barbecue. Extra spicy, yeah. Dill, um, dill. dill. Dill, of course, yeah. Honey garlic. Double cheese, double cheese, double oh, cheese. Double cheese, yeah, absolutely. No, what we're getting... <laughs> Heroic fantasy. This is the one when you sit down and you think D&D, this is what you think of first. Your adventures are heroes. Everything in there is kind of based in or around like medieval times as far as society and technology is concerned. Um, There are, you know, comforts of a certain level, but it's not like modern day, obviously. Yeah. So like Lord of the Rings, it's going to be epic and people are going to rise up and... Yeah, um, that goes kind of hand in hand with sword and sorcery, which does emulate more um, the the higher magic types of fantasy fiction that you see. So um, Lord of the Rings is a good example with like your, you know, your white wizard Gandalf and that sort of thing. Um, epic fantasy is more of a clear distinction between good and evil. You're often playing one side or the other to an extreme and going against the other side of that extreme. So you're playing that devout paladin who's bidding farewell to their dear love to join the noble wizard and stop the tyrannical overlords of the nine hells from taking over the material plane. Big scale, good and evil, hardline sides of both of those, um, both of those ends of the alignment spectrum. Is this interesting or should I just the stop now? The list is long. I don't know. It's cool. I, 
Okay, so maybe what we say here is there's a there's a cool list. It has like 10 or 12 items in it. And it goes into mythic fantasy and dark fantasy and intrigue and mystery and swashbuckling. And, and it's cool because what... So you have a couple choices as a GM to use this, like thinking of a session zero. You can use it to frame your campaign idea, like say to your group. You can almost read it. Like, hey, guys, what do you think of... Uh, you know, uh, dark fantasy with vampires and horror and grim dark and creep. You can just read it and see if the table is interested in it and what they like and what they don't like. Um, I read these lists though, and I I'm literally thinking back to my show, and I'm like, I have all of these, and um, maybe not war as much. Well, I guess I do. Um, well, you so, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I do. Um, with it a bad general. That's the last one on this list, though, Sean. Is your mix and match. Right, right. Dungeons is mix and match. Other bothers yep. is mix and match. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's okay. And I think that's a cool thing as a GM. If you're sitting here and you're looking at this list, and I know we have some listeners out there who are like, "Oh, but it don't fall in the bucket." You almost sometimes don't want to fall in one bucket. Like, you know, I almost could could see you know saying to a table, "Hey, what do you think of you know the dark fantasy, the vampires, the horror, mixed with?" intrigue politics and cloak and dagger right that could be super fun absolutely already i have ideas forming for a campaign yeah yeah you've got this vampire overlord who's pulling the strings behind this this city uh that you have to kind of infiltrate and figure out and then you know battle in the end and he's in a, a love triangle relationship that's gone wrong. And that's one of those people is the Duke of a faraway kid. You know, yeah, you can just keep going and have fun with it. So uh, we'll, we'll link that list. Um, we'll link that list down in the description here. It's on page 38 of the Dungeon Master's Guide. You can go take a look through it. Um, and I would say we've given you this these 12 items, so you don't need to buy that book. So after you figure out what kind of game is is interesting to you and your players so one option is that in a, in a session zero you talk about hey guys what do you think of a dark fantasy is what i'm thinking you share your idea right and you get feedback from the table um there's another way of approaching it though and maybe this is what you're going to get to um because i haven't read anything because i'm bad it's fine it's what i do um so uh it's why everything I end up with is homebrew, not because I start out that way. Just, <laughs> just because you don't plan ahead. <laughs> I don't plan ahead. I'm seat of the pants. I mean, one way that I've done session zeros is I've I've also gone the other direction and focused on individual characters. Now it can be get a little more complicated um, because uh, you can sit with a you can talk at a table with with each person and be like. They're like, instead of just being like, do you want to be, you know, this class or this class, you can be like, tell me about like the world of this character and almost let them start to tell you their backstory. So you might have someone that would plant themselves in a, in a gothic horror background. And then someone else might, you know, paint the perfect paladin from, you know, epic fantasy land, sword and sorcery, you know, and then someone else might be, you know, just talk about politics. Um, but it is another way you can do it where you this framework, though, helps you see, oh, I'm mixing these three worlds. And I find it's really fun to do it that way because the the players at the table have given you the information about 
how they want, what's interesting to their to them from a character point of view. And then you get to try and bring those three worlds together and say, okay, where, you know, maybe gothic horror is in a, happening in a faraway land, but, but, you know, you just start to like piece a world together. Yeah. And I really like that. And I guess that shows, uh, Sean, my distinct play styles, which is totally fine. I like to figure out what the world looks like. Sean likes to build the world around what his players want to do. Um, both ways are valid though. Yeah. And do you, like when you come up with your world, do you actually sit down and, and lay it out for the, the group or do you keep some of it? You know what I mean? Like how much, how much do you, how much do you show and how much do you, cause there's some cool stuff you have ideas for. How much do you keep hidden? Like I keep a fair amount hidden. Um, yeah. so yes, it's been a long time since I've sat down to build out a world. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You guys are in what year? We've been, pl- okay, so we've been releasing since 2017, but we've been playing since like end of 2014. Right. So in 2014, you did this. In 2014, we sat down and laid out what the world looks like, how it functions, magic works, you know, how the general societal norms and what type of people and creatures and, and other things you see um and then they built their characters which they're still playing today so long so long um but what do you keep hidden what do you keep back it's the evolutions that i have come up with after that session and after we started playing um it's the reasons why vampires exist in our world Mm. Like, they haven't explicitly run into many vampires, but there are vampires that are probably doing something that they might run into. Why do those exist? How do ghosts and spectral forms exist? Um, There's a lot of room to reveal some of the secrets and magic of the world um, that aren't explicitly explained by me or by the book we're using because, you know... as a, as a game runner, I like to go off of that book, um, yep. take that initial thought or seed that they have in there and then figure out a different way that it plays within the world. Uh, so that's what I like to hide is, is why they're there, how they're there and you know, what they're doing in the background. Love it. Same. So, uh, you recently relaunched your characters sort of in the sim- same world, exact same world. Yeah. Right. So you didn't have to spend a lot of like what the world is time, but I guess you had to set up what was happening and why they're starting again. Yeah. So we, we, uh, season one of Dungeons, we played through Rise of Tiamat and then ended, however, that ends. Um, with an amazing we, Tiamat dragon. An amazing, was, t- yeah. you know, I don't know who played that. I kind of forgot. <laughs> uh, I think I deleted them from the credits even, but uh, <laughs> no, um, Sean did. Play I hear they're a jerk Tiamat. as an interviewer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but why did we start with new characters? Because I wanted to see and we wanted to see um, what it would look like because we spent we spent so long at such a high level that yeah. those high level characters don't interact on a base level anymore they hop in their airship and they fly to the next place there's no in between they don't see the destruction that was caused by that 
you know, massive cult of the dragon war or that dragon that landed down and destroyed that village. They chased the dragon off, but maybe they didn't go back to figure things out. Um, the level one characters that we started with, I wanted to see what it looked like in a post rise of Tiamat world, what it w- took for new adventurers to kind of take up the call and move on in this new framework. When they're moving by foot with an amazing guide. I was really impressed with their guide. Very guide. You know what? There's lots of good characters that Sean plays on our show. You should come check it out. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, uh, but really cool. Did you do a session zero when you restarted your characters? We did a a modified shortened session zero because we all had an idea of, we didn't know how the, because we built the characters before we knew how the first arc was going to conclude. um, We had an idea of what the world was going to look like. At the very least, there was going to be destruction and displacement of peoples within the world. Um, so we we built it from that point before everything went to, um, to kind of start them off and use that as their call to action to get them going. So we talked about what kind of characters they would play, where they fit into the current world, and then what spurred them on to go find each other within the next. And that was stuff that they came up with. They were sort of answering. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, th- okay. So that was sort of like what I, so that's the whole, right. You, you went from a character point of view. Tell me about your character. Yep. In this case, they knew the world and they could, it was they a little easier, right. For build them to within that themselves. and pick their organizations that they knew and uh, play so, off of those. So I guess this is an interesting point. So when we're starting a table, um, both Russ and I, it sound, both of us, it sounds like, work with, let our characters have some agency in telling us what is their character, what what do they want to accomplish in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, we give them some leeway, it sounds like. Um, but they need to understand enough of the world so that they can um, they can start to imagine, right? Like, otherwise, they're just floating in blackness. Are they on a spaceship? Or, you know, what are the, what are the, what are the guidelines? Um, so as a GM at a session zero, you have a couple options. One is to send a 22 page document to your players and ask them to read it prior to session zero. Um, that is an option. Um, if you have players like me, uh, we won't read it. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I, I want to, I'm just not going to read it. Russ is shaking his head. He's probably I, not going to read probably it. Probably won't read it. I'll skim yeah. it. That's about it. Yeah. And, <laughs> And one of the reasons I don't read it is actually to help you, the GM, right? I think sometimes as a GM, and I love how you just alluded to this, Russ, sometimes as a GM, we get so excited because we created this intricate, amazingly complex world, and we basically just blow it all in one big, we just tell you everything. And the problem is, if you go and watch a movie that has 30 minutes of exposition off the top, it's not generally that interesting. Because there's nothing to figure out after that point. It just and it just starts to all flow over you. It's too much information. It's not as fun. A lot of the fun of D and D is watching your players have that moment of surprise when they put it together where vampires come from or why these things are loose in the world or the moment of mirth you get when they all decide emphatically they figured it out and they've got it completely wrong. Um, that's not the moment to correct them. That's the moment to smile and play with them. Right, tease them as to why they're wrong with the, what the world is doing. Yeah, they they think they've figured out the big piece to the puzzle, but really they've just opened up another thing that can 
make it worse for them and the world around you. A hundred percent. So um, I think it's finding the balance between the 20 page document, which you are, it's fine that you create it, but I don't, a question you have to ask is what do my players really need to know to start playing and exploring this world? And it's often a story. Right. It's a short story about the world. You can you can do it in fun ways, like have them bump into a character who's in trouble and espouses what's happening and why there are villages burning and the evil that's in the world and they, they can't escape and it's endless. Um, you can do it by just telling the table a short story. But it's but I find it's really good to package it in a way that gives them enough information about the world and they can always ask questions, but then gives you things Keep your keep your gold nuggets, the mechanics, the things you've got buried. Um, they're not fun if you just unearth them for the player and hand them to them. Yeah, and you can use those to to build new stories. The longer you go on, right? Like you can. Yeah. What you what you have built out in that twenty two page document, you might only get to in your first campaign one or two of those pages tops. So yeah. it the less you give them, the more story you have to tell over the long run. And the more opportunity you have to problem solve. Let's say um, I was recently learned of a campaign that has five bards in it. And I think that's it. Uh, and I don't think it's bombarded, but it was another campaign that was running, but it bombarded as well. So let's say you've got this campaign world built and it's sword and sorcery. And then you find out your party all around the table. All they want to do is play bards and they're amazing musicians and they can sing. And then you have two choices. You can say no and kill bombarded before it started or you could you could be like okay and you've got your whole world figured out now you have time between session 0 and session 1 to like figure out how fun that could be how do you work that in um maybe there's warring tribes of bards instead of warriors yeah i mean every every world has musicians so you how are musicians if you've built this grim dark world like what do musicians look like right like how do you know? How do you know every world has musicians? I don't. Or do I? <laughs> every world could have musicians. Except this one. No bards! No! Except those five All bards. Right. They can come. So I think we covered that enough. So yeah. you've got this framework of stories and conversations to have. You've got your ideas for a campaign. Um, and it's okay if you've written a big thing, but maybe think about a short story to share with the table to get them excited. And then session zero is a great time to let them tell you how does the character they want to play fit into this world or ask you questions. So next up, what's next on our checklist here, Russ, for uh, session zero? Ne well, we got two others that we haven't really touched on, table rules and homebrew modifications. Let's talk about homebrew modifications because table sure. rules is really just like a bullet point list to kind of get through and tell people about. So we'll save that to the end here. Yeah, you always, we always, all of us forget to explain the table rules. They come up while you're playing, right, generally. Or like, oh, here's how we do crit 20 damage at this table. Here's how we, right, yeah. Um, uh, and table rules could be how people die or don't die in a critical moment in a campaign. That would be a good thing to cover. Good thing Just to, to have... take something random, Russ. You know what? Just something I said random. we're talking about this last, Sean. Let's go to homebrew modifications. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Homebrew modifications. Um, so, homebrew modifications. Uh, what, what depends on the game you're playing. Uh, a lot of them have 
room for, uh, you know, powered by the apocalypse, fate, have a lot of flexibility in what they do. If you're playing like a Dungeons and Dragons or something that's a little more rigid, Pathfinder, that sort of thing, um, a lot of times DMs and GMs like to play with those rules and change how yep. things work for their world. One of those things is making sure you outline for your magic users how magic works um, if that's important to you, because if you need them to collect spell components to make sure that they can go around and cast their mage hand or, you know, light up the fireball and they haven't been doing that, then you can shut them down and they can no longer play that. So they have to take that into account on figuring out how their character works within your world. Yeah. If you're going to be evil and require components, tell your table in session zero. Yeah. Um, and it, it could just be that your magic just works. And that is a much more fun way, in my opinion. Like magic does. And and some of the homebrew can be a lot of fun. So with um with Powered by the Apocalypse and other games, it's really encouraged and easy to create moves. They're called moves. So uh, in my show, one of our the funnier things we do, beloved things, is roll for fairy cakes. And uh this came about because um basically uh, Michael, who plays Egerton, wanted to play a flightless fairy. That was all. He sort of had a couple ideas, and he outlined this whole story. Like the original story for Egerton was in very complex. He had this whole thing written out. I don't know if you've heard it. I have. He, like he was out. Um, he was he's a bumbling like a nobody, and he was out. Um, but he liked to draw and stuff and he had all these stories he drew and then he gets knocked over the head and he wakes up and all he has is the stories and he finds these stories of this knight and this all this heroic stuff and he assumes he's a hero and, ha and has all these powers, which he doesn't. So that was his original idea for the story. Um, we didn't end up playing that, but um, I used that idea to create a bunch of moves. I created moves for all the characters. So based on what they told me, I went and create Roll for Fairy Cakes, the soul-bound weapon ugh, that um, Blatt uses. Um, I just basically created all these moves and um, and put them on the sheets. And I did that between session zero and session one. I actually prepared for something. It was crazy. That was a long time ago, though. So that, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. That checks out. Okay, World hasn't Whew. been completely obliterated yet. Okay, good. Yeah. So, so that's an example of also how homebrew can come in. You can also take what you're learning in session zero. So let's say everyone at the table says they want to play dark horror. You might, homebrew might also mean going in and buying um, Travis, Fool and Scholar's book, um, or the, uh, the things that th he's added to D&D to make it work better for horror. And you could then introduce that in session one. Uh, and that one is uh, Domain of the Nameless God. Uh, mm -hmm. So we'll link that down. It is not a comedy. No matter what happens in season two of their show, it is not a comedy. Not a comedy, Sean. <laughs> no more funny. Russ. Russ. Sean. It's not yeah. my, it's not my We're not both in that show in season two or anything. No, it's fine. No, <laughs> fine. They don't have a oh. lot of problems planning it it's fine no, no. <laughs> anyways moving right along uh other good things more um less uh involved things but good things to know are like which gods exist in your world do you have the full yes. list of the gamut or do you just have two um yeah because if you have a paladin they're gonna want to know you know who they're beholden to in your world <laughs> and some people look at the list of gods in some of these books and they just like they can't get started because there's 800 of them. So yeah. pick a few. 
and then make them in your world. Yeah. Um, other things or, from... Or do what I do and just pick a random name and then figure it out. Exactly. Or take one and f- screw up the game. So screw up the name and then try and make fun of the guy who's using the name correctly, but then yes. get burned. Yeah. Correct. Real bad. Yeah. Or bad. some of the things you can change for homebrew are restricting your class and races um, for simplicity or just based on how you've designed the world. Maybe there is only the top three, you know, the human dwarf and uh, elf that you can play, or maybe it's just a, tabaxi halfling goliath world yes i want to see that that would be that would be fun too but if you put restrictions on them then it it limits but also makes things it it goes along with the explaining how the world works who inhabits this world and if you restrict that to you know the top three whatever they are then that says what your majority is in the world that you can now play and creativity comes from constraints I think in D&D, it's really easy to get caught into only playing one or two character types. So it can be a lot of fun. At first, it's really annoying when you join a table and they're like, yeah, no, sorry, we don't have rogues and we don't have half elves. And you're like, but that's all what I play. But it can some of the funnest experiences can come from players that are suddenly getting to play something big and lumbering and new, right? Um, that that they never thought to play before. Um, yeah, like a fur bulk or whatever. Fur bulks are fun. Um, yeah. Anything else we want to say on homebrew? No, I think that's it. That's it for homebrew. Homebrew it up. Home- Change all the rules. If somebody calls you out on a rule, just go. Sorry, that's a homebrew rule. It's homebrew. That's that's my homebrew. motto. Sorry, homebrew. Yeah. Sorry. Why'd you can look it up all you want. Homebrew. Yep. Um, that brings us to uh, table rules, and again, we'll try and go through, through these quick um, because. Most of them should make sense, but they're often good just to say out loud once and just make sure everybody understands them. Um, Going down a list that, again, can be found in the Dungeon Master's Guide, but a lot of these do bleed over into other games as well. Uh, Table talk, sharing information above board. If you give somebody a note, is it okay for them to share it out of character? Wait, wait, you can control that at some tables? You're supposed to be able to. Oh God, my table's I mean, out of control. It's it's tough to sh- to to keep people from talking, but if you really don't, if you really want that above board conversation, you want to try and keep people in game. Like, set a rule, right? Like, just tell them. Let's yeah. try and keep it in role play as much as possible. Be a librarian. No talking. No talking. Be quiet. Is that in that voice? Shh. Shh. Um, dice rolling. Um, I'm looking at you, Mister Moore. What's that? I'm looking at you, Mr. Moore. Dice rolling. I'm using your last name because I'm a librarian. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Dice rolling, do you roll out in the open as the Dungeon Master game? No, never, because I cheat. Well, you don't roll ever. No, because I cheat. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. I don't roll either. Yeah. So Um, I just cheat. I don't even roll and then cheat. I just cheat. Yeah. Um, But do you roll out in the open? Do your players roll out in the open? What happens when a dice lands cocked or rolls off the table? These are things that a lot of- The horror! Right? But- you want to have an idea about them. Uh, what happens if you see a player, notice a player, constantly roll and scoop their dice before anybody else can see them? Mm, shady. I say business. smart player, shady smart player. Yeah. What do you do if you see a player is always on their phone? Just tell them to put their phone down. Yeah. 
No phones at the table. Or maybe phones no at the phones table at the if they're using like a D&D maybe Beyond or something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Everyone's using D&D. D&D Beyond is really cool. I won't play D&D without it anymore. It's, it takes care of everything. I wish they were a sponsor, but they're not. Don't use D&D Beyond. They're not a sponsor. <laughs> or do. Whatever. Um, rolling attacks and damage. Quick ways to speed up. Get your players to roll their damage when they roll their attack. If they're, if combat slows down for you, just use that as a rule. Um, rules okay, to... that's fine, Russ, but let's call a spade a spade here. The, the fighter is not the person slowing down the table. It's the magic user that has to rethink their spell because they didn't read the rule and understand that it won't work without killing the party. So now they're going to take another 10 minutes to find another spell. That's when you skip the magic user. If you don't have your spell well, ready, or if you're not willing to use it, you go to the next person. Really? And if the said magic user is your wife, Russ? Then you wait the 10 minutes, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Yep, moving right along. Uh, rules discussions. If there's a rules issue or question, do you stop the game? Some some tables are totally fine with that. They're cool to open up the book and figure out the rule. Some want the DM just to make a ruling and go back and check it later. Some want the game to stop, the DM to stand up and draw a sword and slice that questioner through the heart. Then as they go gasping on the floor, resume the game. But you can set that rule at the beginning. Then okay. that person knows why they got stabbed through the heart. Mm-hmm. Metagame, Questioning. metagame thinking. I hate metagame thinking, but I'm terrible for it. <laughs> what is metagame thinking? It's where you're thinking as a player of a game as opposed to a character in the story. So another thing that takes players out of the, out of the story, out of the characters that they're playing, when you start reasoning for the character as... you as you're moving the pawn across the table type of thing. Um, and then player management. I think things that you want to kind of And some of that comes, some of that comes down to the table. Some of that comes down to the table, right? With that session one at the beginning, when you talked about the kind of game, if everyone's just into hack and slash, my experience tells me you're going to see a bit more metagaming happening. Yeah. Right. It's just about maximizing the number of battles that can happen. Right. And minimizing damage and maximizing XP. And it's just all about maximizing and minimizing. Um, right. Some might say um, it's min maxing. Some might. Uh, so the, uh, the, you know, and I think it just depends on your play style at the table. If you have people that are really getting into role playing, it becomes contagious. And I find it generally helps minimize that metagaming um, but it really comes down to the play style right yep um player management is another good one to talk about um sean misses a session what do we do with his character um does it kill him sword through the heart do you kill them off do they just disappear does somebody else play the character these are all ways that you can kind of manage that in and out of people as life happens um and then bringing new players into the game Good to kind of set out if somebody new comes into the table, where do they start? You've been playing for six months and now you're level 12. Um, you know, most of you are level 12. Some of you are level 10. Where do they start? Do they start at the lowest? Level one. Level one. They have to earn it. Or do they start at level one and die immediately every single time? Your call. Yes. But these are just some things that um, you might not have thought about or don't think about until you play for a while. So just good to kind of check these boxes as you move down. 
And I think that session zero is as best as we can explain it and kind of prep you for it and give you some questions that you can ask your table when you sit down with them for the very first time. So we're going to put all this in the show notes. Well, when I say we, I mean Russ, who's amazing. That's me. And I basically do nothing except shout. So uh, but let's recap really quickly. Um, think about the story. Think about um, the doing a checklist to find out what is, what's off limits for your players, right? So you can show you're really listening. And you're going to try to keep that in mind. And then, yeah, just go through how games are going to work, how you want to structure this thing, what are what you know, how you're going to handle certain difficult things. It's a great time to talk through that stuff. Um, and finally, remember, this is your chance as a GM to hear from your players what they're going to be bringing to the game. You've been spending all this time stressing, reading, scribbling notes, making maps. This is the first time when you get to hear from the players, sort of their input. So it's a great opportunity to then bring parts of your world more alive based on what you heard. <gasps> they want to be an elf. I'm going to do something more with the forest. And that's where we're going to start. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so that that brings us to the end of session zero. We hope that helped you. If it did, great. Let us know. If you have more questions, come find us. We're on a Discord, or you can email us dm to gmcast at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. And in the meantime, go play more games and feel good about it. Yeah, and we're here if you have questions. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Where am I? Welcome to Desert Skies, Traveler. Your journey through the physical plane has come to an end. I am the attendant. My colleague here is the mechanic. Yo! This is your last stop on your way to the great beyond. It's our job to make sure you're prepared for the ride. Now, before hitting the road, we have an impressive selection of over 34 varieties of microwavable burritos. Um, what, what? What's going on? There's got to be a better afterlife than this. I mean, come on! Uh, that's offensive. Something seems to be wrong with me. You left something major undone. I have a life outside of this gas station, you know. You quite literally do not. Any hobbies? Nope. Ever travel? Nope. Love interest? Are you kidding? Oh my god. You're like the human version of a plain bagel. Cash register. How can I help you, attendant? Play some music? You got it. It's kind of funny, though. What I needed wasn't back there. It was here, waiting for me. I wonder what it feels like, Mac, to miss the physical plane, the people you left behind. You know, I had a wife who died three years ago. Wish I could go back. No, you don't need to go back. You just need to be here. And a new traveler approaches. Ready, team? Ready. Good. Let's do this. Find Desert Skies wherever you listen to podcasts.